Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Let's just pray. Jesus, you are so, so good, Lord. God, I thank you that your presence has already broken through this service. Jesus, anything else that is done this morning is just going to be the cherry on top, Father. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have a word to share with us this morning. Father, I pray that your words would be on my lips this morning. Father, that your word would penetrate our hearts and minds and cause us to have a revelation of the kingdom. God, that we, our minds would be opened to the idea and the realization that there is a kingdom all around us that is unseen, that is, that is powerful, and that we can tap into. Father, let your kingdom just break through this room this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message, Gail, I do have a title. It's real creative. You ready? Come up here, part two. Most weeks, Gail has to come up with the title for my message because I, I forget to do it and she puts it on the podcast. So she just, she makes it up for me. She's probably more creative than I am anyway. So, so it works out. But this week I got one. It's come up here part two. All right. So let's start off with the verse. Revelations 4 chapter 1, New King James Version. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here. I've been hearing the Lord the past few weeks since I preached this first message. I've been hearing that phrase over and over again. Come up here. And, and you know the context of that, that what I'm talking about. If you, if you were here the previous time I talked about this. And that the Lord is calling us to come up higher to see everything from a different perspective. When we're on the, the platforms of our own ideology, our own political ideology, our, our own opinions, when we are on that platform or we're on social media platform, when we're looking at the world through those platforms, on those lenses, of course we're going to be in panic. We're going to be in anxiety and we're going to feel powerless. But when we answer the call to come up here to the heavenly places and view things through the father's eyes, through the big lens, the big picture, all of a sudden hope grabs our heart because we realize that we are way more powerful than we ever realized. We have way more authority in this world than we have ever imagined, but it takes coming up to a different level to be able to have that perspective, to be able to see like the Father sees. Amen? Part of that perspective, part of coming up here is realizing that there is a, a realm unseen that is directly affecting the seen realm all around us. Let me say that one more time because this is what the message is about this morning. Part of the heavenly perspective is realizing that is is realizing that there is a realm unseen that directly affects the seen realm all around us. Let me show you what I mean. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2. Verse 2. This is the New King James Version. 
Paul is speaking here and he says, I know a man who for 14 years or who 14 years ago, whether in body, I do not know, know, or whether in the, okay, hold on. Let me start that verse over again. I know a man who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or rather out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven, to the third heaven. So Paul here, uh, he, he talks kind of in, in, a, in whatever perspective that would be. First, not first person, third person, is that right? For all my English friends. He's actually, uh, as you read the passage, you realize he's saying, I, I know a man who was caught up to the third heaven. But as you read the passage, you begin to realize that he's actually talking about himself. Okay, so Paul is saying that 14 years ago, he had this, this encounter with the Lord where he was taken up to the third heaven. Now, logically speaking, if there's a third heaven, then there's a second and a first, right? Now, I will say that the Bible never flat out mentions a second heaven or a first heaven, but it does give us plenty of context of what those heavens might look like. Okay, so the heaven or the the Bible actually talks a lot about third heaven, second heaven, first heaven. All right, so there's a, there's a lot of context. Let me show you what I mean. Okay, so the third heaven, we know that based off of Scripture, we understand that the third heaven is where God resides. It's where His throne room is in the heavenly places. Let me show you Ephesians one, verse nineteen through twenty says, and what exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believes according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So we know, and Paul describes also in that, in that verse where he talks about going to the third heaven, that he saw things that were undescribable. So we know that the third heaven is where God dwells. It's his throne. It's his kingdom. It's above all principality, power, might, and dominion, right? Third heaven. The second heaven is described in this way. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Hang with me. I know this is a lot of kind of heady kind of stuff. But just, just stick with me because this is all going somewhere. So Ephesians chapter 6 tells us about the second heaven. It says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against the spiritual host of witness in the heavenly realm. So how do we know that this is, is, is describing second heaven? Well, we know it's not describing the third heaven, because how many of you realize that there is no wickedness there is no principalities higher than the Lord. So if there's wickedness and principalities and evil, uh, evil things in this realm, that we know it's not the third heaven he's talking about. It's not the third heavenly places. It has to be something beneath that, which would be the second heaven. Okay? It's the second dimension, as you could say. All right? We're going into the Spider-Verse for all my comic book friends. This is, this is the real deal. The third heaven and then the second heaven is where principalities, powers, might, and dominion talk about. Ephesians also, I'm not going to pull up the scripture, but Ephesians talks about the prince and the power of the air that now works in the sons of disobedience. That's describing what's happening in this second level, the second heaven, okay? 
And the first heaven is, is described in Genesis 1. It says that God made the heavens and the earth. So the first heaven is all that makes up everything that we see here on earth. We're right now physically living in the first heaven. Okay? So does everybody see the, the three different things I'm talking about? The three breakdowns. All right? There's lots of scripture that, that backs that, that theology. Um, but that's what I'm going to give you this morning. Is the first, second, and third heaven. So many of us actually have a concept of this without even realizing it. That as Christians, we, we naturally believe that there is an unseen realm around us that is always working and that is encountering. So we already theologically and biblically believe what I just talked about. But in reality, many times we are not practically engaging in the, in, in the heavenlies. Okay? We have a head knowledge. We realize that there is an unseen realm, but we don't practically engage in the heavenlies. Okay? So let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me, yeah, let me say it this way. If the devil is causing a problem, actually this, this is a quote from Chris Vallotton. Uh, I like the way he said this. If the devil is causing a problem, we won't fix a second heaven problem with a first heaven solution. We aren't able to fix a second heaven problem, a principality, a power, a, a, a problem that comes straight from the devil himself. We're not going to be able to fix that problem with a first heaven natural solution. Okay, so again, what, what I mean by we are aware that there is an unseen realm affecting us, most of the time we're not engaging that realm to fix the problem. We're trying to look for solutions that are physical to fix the issue. Okay, so I'm going to get more into that here in, here in a minute. But before I do, I want to, I want to give you an example of what this looks like uh, from, from a story, uh, uh, from a story. Yeah, a story of something that happened to, to me while I was a security guard at the ramp. Security guard, Cameron, woo woo, at the ramp. He knows all about this. You see, normally, normally security, it sounds like a big deal, right? But in reality, security guard at the ramp means uh, standing guard in the green room and not knowing who's supposed to be going in and out. So you just kind of let him go anyways, because it's just chaos at that door. <laughs> And it's, it's uh, telling kids to scoot up to make more room for more kids to come in behind. That's pretty much a security guard's job at the ramp. So it sounds way cooler than it actually is. But I was a security guard at the ramp. So one night we were having conference. A thousand kids in the room worshiping their heart out. Uh, and I'm standing in the back by the door watching all this happen. I'm going to tell you my perspective, and then I'm going to tell you what happened. So, so I'm standing back at this door, and all of a sudden, I see this kid come. You could see the kind of commotion in the crowd, and he was in the front, and he made his way through the crowd, all the way through the crowd, and then I saw him run out the back door, just take off running out the back door. Just seconds later, another kid comes running, chasing after him, and I hear the kid yelling, get him, get him. And so I'm like, Here's my moment, you know, like finally something other than pushing kids around. I'm going to go chase down, you know, take care of a real issue here. So I, I take off out the door 
and uh, they, they get through the foyer. By the time I catch up with them, we're outside, and uh, the kid that's chasing him, I think, you know, it, what it looks like is this kid's trying to catch him to beat him up, right? He's trying to do something to this kid. So I catch up to that kid, and I just tackle him. I take him down. Coolest moment of my life, I'm telling you. I mean, the kid was probably like 12, but still. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I took him down. So I get him down and, and he goes, no, 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 no. I'm trying, I'm trying to help him. I'm trying to help him. And I was like, oh, shoot, I just made a mistake, you know. So our, uh, the other security guard, his name was, uh, was Stephen Womack. He was actually the head of security, real intimidating looking guy, you know. He was in the Navy, I believe. Uh, just really neat guy. He's, he's, he's awesome. So anyways, he takes off after the other kid, uh, catches him at the end of the parking lot at the ramp and stops him. And the kid is just fighting him, flailing around. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say this on TV, but I'm pretty sure Steven recounts it as he had to slam the kid against a car. So, but anyways, it, it was kind of, it was just crazy. It was chaotic, you know? So we get everything kind of settled down and we begin getting the story of what's happening. What happened was, is this, uh, there's, there's three of them that came to the ramp. There's the older sister. Uh, and then there's this young, young guy who was the first one that ran out that Stephen was with. And then I think if I remember right, the other one was just a friend that was there with them. And so what happened was, is, is they were at the front of the stage engaging in worship. And the kid that ran out was in this intense warfare. So he was trying to, this sounds bizarre, but he would try to lift his hands up to worship and would physically, his hands would be pushed down. He couldn't physically lift his hands in worship. And there's a song that was playing. Uh, we sing it here, The Great I Am, the song, The Great I Am. And there's a part in the song where at the, in the bridge where it says, the mountains shake before you, the demons run and flee at the mention of the name King of Majesty. When Bran Waddell, the worship leader, sang those words, the kid fell first to the ground, just like he passed out. And, it's, and the, 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 friend, the sister and the friend were kind of looking over him. And as he began singing the bridge again, the kid stood straight up and took off running out the door. And then that's when we encountered him and saw what was happening. We found out as well through this whole thing that this kid for, I think, I believe it was two or three years, had not slept one single night all the way through, but woke up for two years. He had been waking up in the middle of the night with extreme torment. He'd wake up screaming at the top of his lungs every single night for two to three years. Okay, so we're finding all of this out and we begin realizing what's happening here. We begin realizing that we're not encountering a first world or a first heaven problem. We're encountering a second heaven problem. That there is a principality and power that is at work in this kid that has this kid in bondage. And I won't go into all the details. They gave us some history of how this kid got to this point. But he was dealing with a principality and a power that, that was preventing him from engaging in the presence of the Lord. So once we gathered all the information, we knew what was happening. We were standing out there in the parking lot. The kid the entire time. The entire time, was he wasn't moving. He wasn't making eye contact. He was just staring at the ground the entire time. So we start praying 
over this, over this kid. We start praying just the peace of the Lord over him. We start praying that this, this demon, this principality that, was, that had attached itself, that was tormenting this kid, would begin praying that it would just be gone and that it would flee and that the presence of the Lord would just envelop him. We're praying all of these things. And we felt, we felt since the issue was he couldn't lift his hands, so Stephen on one side and me on the other side, we grabbed his arms, we put him in the air as we're praying and just begin declaring peace over him. And we just declared peace over him over and over again. And as we're praying, he begins just yelling and screaming, all of these things. We begin praying again, just peace, just peace, just peace. And as we're praying peace, all of a sudden, the kid just goes completely limp to where we're holding him up. It was like his entire body was totally stiff and totally just tense. And all of a sudden he became just completely relaxed to the point he couldn't even stand on his own. And so we're just holding him, holding his arms up and holding him up, praying peace over him over and over again. And he just goes completely, uh, completely at rest. All of his body just goes, his muscles just, just relax and he's at complete rest. So we were in that moment. It felt like forever, but you know, those moments always feel like forever. They're usually only a few minutes. So we, we, he, uh, we prayed like that for a few minutes. All of a sudden he, he kind of opens his eyes up and he looks around and, and, uh, it's just this cool moment. He gives us a hug, all of these things. They say, thank you. They go back into the service. The next day, this is the cool part. You ready? The next day, the kids are filing in the foyer to go into the sanctuary. Him, his sister, and his friend immediately come and find Stephen and I, and they say, guess what? For the first time in two or three years, he slept completely through the night without waking up one single time. It was the best rest he has had in at least two or three years. First time, two to three years. We couldn't, listen, and, and if I, I, I kind of hesitate saying this part of the story because I, I, I'll be completely honest. I don't fully remember the details of this part, but I believe that there were attempts in the natural to help this kid in those two to three years. I, I believe they talked about that there was medicine, that there was some therapy, things of those nature that they tried that never worked. And again, I, I, that's from what I can remember. I apologize if that wasn't the case. But the reality is, is that a first heaven solution would not have fixed the issue. It took a second heaven, and actually it took a third heaven solution to solve the second heaven problem. It took coming up here where the throne that is above all principality and power, might and dominion. It took going to that throne, pulling from that heaven into the first heaven to fix the second heaven solution. Amen. Listen, there are problems greater than the pandemic happening right now. There is something going on that is a bigger deal than wearing a mask or not wearing a mask right now. Let, let me say this real quick too with that. I, I, at the end of this week, I spent way too much time worrying about whether or not we should wear a mask in this building or not. 
it was a distraction from kingdom things. You know, there's all kinds of opinions about whether or not we should wear a mask or not wear a mask. For me personally, I'm wearing the mask and I feel like we are because we're honoring the authority even if we disagree. And we're loving our neighbor who, if they were to get sick, it could be an issue. Other than that, I'm done focusing on that problem because there are second heaven issues who are affecting these first heaven problems. And we're not going to fix them by trying to fix them with first heaven thinking. We have to go higher. There is bigger problems than racism. Racism is a symptom and if we keep trying to stop the bleeding, but we're not going to this fix the symptom or fix the problem, then it's going to just keep bleeding out. We're going to keep having the same issues. There's a bigger problem than an election. And until we come up here and begin dealing with those problems from the third heaven, from the seated position in Christ, then we are never going to make an impact on those first heaven issues. I believe, listen, I believe with all of my heart, I've said it the past several weeks, I believe with everything in me that revival is on our doorstep. Guess what? The enemy believes it too. And he's going to do everything he can to distract us with the chaos around us to keep us from coming up here and dealing with the issues that are actually second heaven issues instead of third heaven issues. Don't allow the enemy to cause the chaos around you to make you forget to come up here to see from his perspective. Amen? We can't deal with second heaven problems with first heaven solutions. If we are ever going to find a solution, we are going to have to go above politics, above opinions, above he said, she said, and answer the call, come up here. The Bible has a lot to say. I, again, I've said this. The Bible has a lot to say about the heavens. It also has a lot to say about your ranking in those heavens. Let me say that again. It has a lot to say about the heavens, but it also has a lot to say about where you stand. You stand in those heavenly places. Let me show you what I mean. Jesus. I've already talked about this some, so this is going to be a little bit of review. But Jesus, right before he ascended... After his death and resurrection, he is with his disciples, his apostles. And right before he ascends, he says these words in Matthew 28. He says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority has been given to him? How much authority has been given to him? All authority in heaven and on earth in every level. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Then what does it say? He turns to his disciples and he says, now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
Go and make disciples. So what is Jesus saying in this moment? He says, all authority is mine. I am above and in charge of absolutely everything. I own everything. I am in authority and in control over everything. And then he looks at us. He looks at his disciples and he says, now you are the delegation of that authority on the earth. That all the authority that is in heaven has been given to us. And Jesus says, now go and make it happen. Go and use the authority that I have gained on the cross. Use it in this earth to affect the earth around you. That is the authority that we carry. Amen? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're talking. Amen? Amen. What does authority look like? Oh, this is, this is awesome. Listen, I got the, I'm not going to lie. I got this part directly from Chris Vallotton's message on War of the Worlds. So y'all need to go listen to it, okay? War of the Worlds part one and part two. What does authority look like? It looks like the centurion servant. He gives us a perfect lesson on what this looks like. So let's read it. This, the story of the centurion servant in Matthew chapter 5, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 8. Let me flip there myself. Matthew chapter 8, the story of the centurion servant. What does authority look like? Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. You hear the offer there. Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house. Like, I'm offering. Jesus is offering. How many of you, if Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come to your house and heal him, you'd be like, sweet. You know, like that is exactly what we need and what I want, but that's not what happens. He says, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. Now at first glance of this passage in your mind, you're thinking, okay, he understands authority. And let, me, let me actually just read the rest of that. So he, he explains what authority looks like. He says, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. So he ex explains what authority looks like. So in our natural mind, we're thinking, okay, he understands authority. He understands that Paul or, or that Peter, James, John, all of those guys are under Jesus's authority. So you think, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Just send Peter. Just send James. They'll have the same effect. But that is, is still first heaven thinking. And we see here, we know that the centurion is not thinking first heaven because he doesn't say send Paul or Peter. Paul's not in the picture yet. He doesn't say send Peter. He doesn't say send James. He says, just send the word and my servant will be healed. You don't have to send anybody physically. You just have to send the word. So the question is, is who's going to go and do it? There's no physical 
person going and doing it. It's, but, but then he explains, I understand that it's not just the word that goes, that, that I'm a man under authority and I have men under authority under me. So when I speak the word, somebody goes. But he just tells him, just say the word and it's going to happen. What is the centurion realizing? He has revelation of third heaven. And he realizes that when he says the word, that there are ministering angels waiting for his command to go and to make manifest what the one who holds all authority has asked. The centurion, he's not a Jew. He works for the Romans who the Jews hate, has revelation of how authority works in the kingdom has revelation that there is unseen realms. And he says, at your word, let me, let me prove to you how this angel thing works. And I'm not talking, I could talk about angels today, but we're not going to. But Hebrews chapter one, verse 14, it says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit each salvation? That, that the authority of heaven, let me say it this way. I want, I want to make this clear. I'm not suggesting that you go around commanding angels what to do. Okay? That's pretty bold, right? An angel is not your child, right? You know, we had kids, so I didn't have to get off the couch to go get a drink anymore, right? I just, hey, Malachi, go get me a water. That's not an angel, right? It's not, they're not just, they're not your little peons that do your bidding, what they are, though, is, let's look at it like this. It's the king's authority that has been given to us. But it's not just his authority. It's his army that surrounds him that he has given to us at our disposal. The angels, listen, the angels ain't listening to us. They're listening to the authority that comes from the father through us. That's how authority works in the kingdom. That's why I'm jealous for you to cultivate the garden. That's why I'm jealous for you to cultivate, for those of you who don't know, the garden is our expression of prayer. Because when we pray, when, when we send the word, there are ministering angels that do what we ask because we have heaven's authority in us. We are his delegates on the earth, and they are the ministering angels who go and do what he commands through us. That's why I'm jealous for you to go into prayer and for us to build a culture of prayer in this place. That is the authority that we carry. Amen? Come on. Amen? One more scripture. One more scripture. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 15. Let me flip there because it's a long passage. Ephesians 1, we're going to start in verse 15. I'm going to go all the way through 2, 1 through 7. It says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, this is Paul talking to the Ephesians. 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Here we go. You ready? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in where? Heavenly places. Where is Jesus seated right now? Heavenly places. Where is the heavenly places? Far above all principality and power, might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age that is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Ephesians chapter one tells us where Jesus is seated in the third heaven above all principality, power, might and dominion, all authority is his. Amen? But Ephesians 2 is even more exciting. And you, who's this verse about? And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Some of you were children of wrath, probably not all that long ago, right? But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Man, there's so much here to preach on, and I'm going to re refrain. Even when you were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. And here's the verse, you ready? And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So where is Jesus? Heavenly places. Where does Ephesians chapter two tell us we are seated? With him in heavenly places. Above all principality, power, might, and dominion. That you are way more powerful than you even can imagine. You are more powerful than you can imagine. That you have the authority of the throne in heaven. You are literally seated with him in heavenly places. There may be principalities and powers, but we are seated far above them on a throne that carries all of heaven's and earth's authority. We may, listen, this is where I want to finish tonight, this morning, whatever time it is. It's probably tonight by the amount of time I'm preaching here. We may be in a fight. Listen, I think we would be amiss to ignore that we're in a fight. We may be in a fight, but we are fighting from a seated position. We may be in a war in the heavenlies, 
but we are in a war that is rigged. We may be in a fight, but we are fighting from a seated position. We may be in a fight, but we fight from a place of joy, from a place of peace, and from a place of victory. We're already above all principalities and powers. We have authority over all of them. All we have to do is use that authority to stop thinking from a first heaven solution, from a first heaven perspective, and come up here where we are seated above all principalities, where every solution to every problem is given. And we do it, listen, we do it from a seated position, which means this, we're not in anxiety. We're not in fear. We're not in panic. But we are seated with full confidence that we carry all authority. So my call to you today is this. Come up here and be seated.